Welcome to Market Street to Main Street, AIM's legislative episodes of the Hometown Innovations podcast and a supplement to our e-newsletter, Legislative Summary. During the legislative session, this weekly podcast series will offer a rundown of what happened at the State House and important legislative action and issues our members need to know about. You'll hear AIM's expectations for the upcoming week and the team's strategy for addressing critical legislation. Hi, I'm Jennifer Simmons with AIM. Welcome to this week's edition of Market Street to Main Street, AIM's special legislative series as part of our Hometown Innovations podcast. Here today, Jenna Bentley, our legislative director, government affairs director, chief lobbying guru. Welcome, Jenna. Thanks, Jennifer. Happy to be here. (laughs) Well, it's just us gals again. We've got this uh, talk about what was happening at the State House this week. We covered last week that this would be the halfway point. So it was a short week at the State House, not a lot to report, except it was the deadline for bills crossing from one house to another. So what were some of the bills that made it through? What are some of the the big issues that died on the vine? Not necessarily municipal, but just what was happening? Yeah, so we're, I think there are about just over 200 bills left between both chambers. Um, I think the Senate passed almost half their introduced bills and the the House passed like a quarter of their introduced bills. Um, But big picture, I think the issue that got the most headlines is the wetlands issue. Um, So this is in response to the Supreme Court decision um IDEM, the Builders Association, and some other stakeholders have been talking about this issue for a number of months. And it's it's interesting. The wetlands bill is it's passed. It's passed both chambers. It was fast-tracked. It passed the Senate within the first or the House within the first couple of weeks and passed the Senate last week. It's really rare that bills do that, that they they expedite the calendar for issues like this. Um, Senator Niemeyer, who chairs Environmental Affairs, where this was heard, um, was asked about this on the floor um, by, I think, Senator Yoder. And he said the reason they fast-tracked this issue is because IDEM needs time to um, create a process, um, a new process for permitting and dealing with development in wetlands. So it's just an interesting issue, um, I think, the Builders Association, you know, prefers that there's no state program for wetlands. So where they landed is there is one, but it changed and adjusted the classification for wetlands. So I'd say a lot of environmental groups had concerns with it. So it's an issue where it's important for our members to know about because it does impact development. Um, but one that um, really played out between environmental group, the builders and uh, the Department of Environmental Management. So that one is, is as long as the governor signs it, becomes law. Um, one issue that's been interesting to follow, not necessarily municipally related, but um, important to, to citizens across the state is the big Medicaid issue. I think we all saw the headlines this summer where they were a billion dollars short of what their predicted revenues for Medicaid was going to be. Um, and so interestingly, FSSA, the state agency that oversees the Medicaid program had two agency bills in both the House and the Senate, um, and they did not move on the calendar. Um, I think there were 
potentially some amendments floated to deal with the Medicaid issue. And I think leadership just wasn't there yet. I, I believe um, on the House and Senate Republican side, they, they prefer to have this conversation with FSSA through agency rulemaking and then in a budget session next year. So from um, my perspective, those are two of the big issues that we saw um, either move forward entirely or not move forward at all um, during the first half of session. You know, um, the insiders, state house insiders won't pick up on this, but um, we know that when an agency bill doesn't make it through, that's a big deal. That just rarely happens. I feel like the the General Assembly is generally deferential to agencies and what they need. Um, that's kind of, it's kind of a big deal. Yeah, I think, um, and I think the House one was on the second reading calendar, was hanging out on the second reading calendar for a little bit. Um, it's not common, I will say that, that an agency bill makes it out of committee and it's that committee pass form and then doesn't move forward on the floor. Um, and I do think um, connecting the dots a little bit, I, I do think it was because it, it could have been home for some of these bigger Medicaid issues that they just want a little more time to to work through. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And, and backing up too on the wetlands um, issue, I know that some communities are going to care about this more than others, right? You know, the geography is is different, and I'm sure that's the wrong term. It's probably got some other ology behind it. But um, the the bill may be unimportant to some, but really important to others. I mean, this week we saw, uh, I think I saw a clip with one member where the council is proactively opposing this bill, which I thought was unusual. Yeah, I, I definitely think that's right. I think, you know, in Northwest Indiana, there was chatter um, about the dunes and the impact to the soil type. There's, I'm not a geologist or a geographer or whatever all of this, <laughs> no, this I didn't. is either. Um, <laughs> I do think the the good news is, is that IDEM felt like they landed in a good place to protect some of the most vulnerable wetlands and to still have some permitting. But yeah, I think if you're in a lake community, this is particularly interesting. If you have a lot of farmland in your district, I think the wetlands have a, an impact on the soil types, which is why um, that's on their radar. So it, I do think it is regionally um, an interesting issue that some members um, will will need to pay attention to mm -hmm. as, it, as it plays out. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, how are the AIM legislative initiatives faring this session? You know, I will I will say that it is tough for to get some of this stuff through. We've made some progress, but I think heading into this session, we knew that this is for some of these initiatives, it's going to be a two year conversation. But some good news when it comes to mobile integrated health, Senate Bill 10, which is the program to create a framework for a grant program for the state to support municipalities, um, mobile integrated health programs, passed the Senate unanimously. It made it out of two committees, it had to go to appropriations. So that's a positive sign that that bill is moving in the right direction. Senate Bill 142, which is the pilot program that would require private insurance to um, reimburse for mobile integrated health services, passed out of the Senate, um, but I did just see it was assigned to the House Insurance Committee um, in what I, I 
to me, that's maybe not a positive sign because there was a House companion bill that did exactly what Senate Bill 142 did that was assigned to house insurance on the first half and didn't get a hearing. So my my fear is that Senate Bill 142 might meet that same fate um, again. And that was just for a handful of communities. But I do think the ultimate goal was, can we collect data to prove that this will be a cost savings? Um, in healthcare. So we'll see on that one. Um, we'll definitely be coordinating with um, the communities impacted in that bill. When it comes to public notice, this has been on our initiatives list for a number of years. There are two bills um, that make it easier for units to decide to publish certain notices online. There's one bill dealing with public notice for when you have to make an additional appropriation. Um, under current law, you had to publish that in the newspaper. This would allow you to post that to Gateway, which I know will be um, great flexibility for some of our members. We're hopeful that we'll continue to work with um, Chairman Miller and others who, uh, who want to totally modernize how notices are published. He has always been open to allowing units to post these on their website or some type of third-party website. Um, so we'll keep that conversation going. Not sure if we'll get it done this session, um, but definitely something he wants to keep working on. And then as you'll recall, one of our initiatives was to clean up some planning and zoning language as it comes to mobile and manufactured homes. I think this is becoming a, a big hot topic for our members on what and how they can re regulate these structures. Um, so there's a bill moving from Representative Zimmerman um, that first clarifies that you can count a mobile or manufactured home and use that under the unsafe building law. There was kind of a gray area where communities weren't sure if you can use the, the provisions in the unsafe building law to address issues with mobile and manufactured homes. So that has moved out of the house. In that bill, there's also language that clarifies um, units can create certain standards for these mobile and manufactured homes to keep them up to the standards um, that they have for everyday homes in their cities or towns. So it's getting better. It's not exactly what we want, um, but I do know that that bill is a work in progress. And then finally, we were hopeful that we could continue to work on the live streaming and archiving concept that passed last session. Um, under current law, starting in 2025, July 2025, local units will have to live stream and archive all city and town council meetings. And then there was a provision that says if any other governing body meets in the same room as those city and town council meetings, you'll also have to live stream and archive those. We have had um, several conversations with Representative Smaltz on this. Um, we haven't gotten to a place um, of compromise yet, but he has... Um, ask that we continue the conversation. So hopefully more to come there, um, but just a, a tough issue um, to that we've been trying to work on this session and, and make it easier um, for cities and towns to get this rolled out effectively, right? We want, if, if they're gonna be required to live stream an archive, that they have the right technology and the long right. enough runway to do it well without getting a bunch of open door requests. Right, right. Well, okay, so you started out saying about a quarter of the bills filed in each house made it through to the other side, I think, is what I so heard. So it's like a quarter of the house bill, so there's just, just over 100 of the 400 in the house, and then about a half of half of the Senate bill, so like just over 100 of the 200 that were filed in the Senate. Okay. So, so we're looking at 200. Okay, so I feel like almost everything on the initiative list you mentioned is alive in a bill 
that moved over. So congratulations. Uh, Thank that's, you. That's good perspective. <laughs> I really, though, like, think about it. Think of everything that didn't make it. It's hard to make, you know, to, to do that, to get an issue hurting committee, to get it voted on successfully on the floor. I mean, it's, it, yeah, good job. It's hard any session. And I feel like this session in particular, if there's even a whiff of controversy for some of this stuff, I think some of the committee chairmen are are just, let's come back next year. So I am, you're right. That's good perspective. I am grateful that there these concepts are moving in some form or fashion. Yep. Yep. You'll have a lot to do the second half, but it's better than uh, sitting there already thinking about next year on all of these issues. So well done. I have a question though on mobile homes, on the, the manufactured homes bill, um, would it be helpful for members to reach out to us with examples of the issues they face? And if these, if we can't get these included in the unsafe buildings law, what their concerns are, you know, I, I know years ago when we were working on some landlord tenant issues, getting some photographs, getting real stories was helpful. Would that be helpful to yes. you? Yes. Yeah, I think it will be helpful. And I've already talked to Chairman Miller. You know, we want to we want to make more progress in the, the bill this year. But I think there's just some confusion in statute between mobile homes and manufactured homes. Mm -hmm. And I think we need to make our case to members of the General Assembly that we're still still dealing with issues of what, in my mind, I would call a mobile home. So manufactured homes, they, you know, the way their lobbyists talk about it is it's just like a stick built house. It's about where it's built. But that's not where we're seeing the issues. And so I think, yes, if our members have concerns or questions, having real like pictures of, no, we're not talking about the best actors or the best case scenario. We're talking about homes that aren't connected to sewer or are run down. And yeah. I think part of it needs to be clarifying in statute, mobile homes versus manufactured homes in a more clear way. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And Jay Bentley at aimindiana.org if anyone wants to to yes. reach out. I know each week we say contact us and sometimes um, that that is a little gray. So we'll throw that out there. Um, Jenna, what are some other issues, uh, maybe not on our initiative list, but items that we have been actively engaging in or that we are concerned about? Like I know one of them we talked about last week or in previous weeks, House Bill 1120 has some excess levy appeal language in it that was extremely concerning. There are other provisions in that bill that we we are concerned about. Yeah, we've gotten a lot of feedback from um, some of the firms, the law firms who do or in the weeds on TIF deals. Um, and within House Bill 1120, there's a provision that says essentially that you can't take a parcel from, and the statute says, an economic development area or a TIF district, remove it and then add it back into an economic development or TIF district. So the way it's written is kind of confusing. Um, essentially, what I have learned is that there are some situations where a community, a parcel will get removed from one allocation area and put into a new allocation area because of the timeline of projects. So it was initially included in an area, but the development didn't occur. So now they're taking a look at the financing again and they need to move it into a new allocation area 
for financing purposes. So without getting too in the weeds, um, I know that we are hearing from a lot of our members on this. We have had um, conversations with both House and Senate fiscal staff on it to clarify what's the intent. Um, because I think as introduced, the original intent was to say, you can't remove a parcel from an allocation area and add it back into that same exact allocation area for the purpose of resetting the base. Um, I know Chairman Thompson felt like that was gaming the system. And I do believe that that is rare if that happens at all. Um, so one, understanding if there are scenarios where that happens for other purposes, but two, clarifying that if it's a new project that municipalities still have the flexibility to do this for financing reasons. So what what is like one paragraph in a bill that's over 100 pages has caused a lot of conversations over the last week. And so if that's something um, your municipality is concerned about, know that we are meeting um, with fiscal leadership next week to, to continue to hash out the details of that provision. Yeah, this is one where we're already getting a lot of input. So I think we're yes. good there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, and just to, you know, what's that? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to clarify that it's a biologist that studies wetlands. I looked it okay. up. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Learn something new every day. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We have to talk about annexation only because I feel weird that we have not been talking about annexation in this session. Like, who are we? What's happening? Uh, it usually dominates. It hasn't, the issue has not gone away, still bubbling out there, but um, maybe not for this session. Yeah, I, you know, it, it passed the Senate last week, the bill that would essentially prevent municipally initiated annexations in the future. Um, it passes the Senate every year since I've been a lobbyist at AIM in 2017, it has passed the Senate. Um, we have assurances from Chairman May, who chairs House Local Government, that he's not going to hear, hear the bill this year, which is why we haven't been doing a lot of outreach on it. But I will say, you know, he made the the, the agreement that he's not going to hear it this year, but he wants to have a robust conversation this summer about annexation. He wants to understand why he continues to hear about it. So I think we have to share our perspective. One, I think it's rare that municipalities are initiating annexations through the statute anyway, but two, the annexation statute as it's currently written is really impacting economic development, including housing projects. So mm -hmm. I think there's some areas that would clear that we want to clarify to the benefit of our members as they try to come alongside the state and, and support new housing starts. Um, and so that all obviously always ties into utilities and in that issue. So I, I do anticipate a pretty robust conversation this summer with potentially legislation in, in 2025. I just hope you weren't planning any summer vacations if we've got <laughs> property tax issues, transportation issues, now annexation issues. Yeah, you're going to have these intense discussions over, over the summer and fall. If I had a dollar for every time someone said, we're not going to do it this year, but I do want to talk to you about 2025, I'd have a lot of dollars. <laughs> you got to triple the job team. security, I guess. Between now and next year, I think you have to triple your team. <laughs> Well, you'll do it. Okay. Um, real quick, I want to talk about legislative dinner before we wrap up. Jenna, were there any other bills of concern for today? I know we want everyone to read the legislative summary. Um, we are highlighting some important pieces of legislation that people want to know about. Is there anything you want to mention specifically? 
No, I definitely um, take a close look at the legislative summary. If you're a unit that's adopted an ordinance um, prohibiting the sale of dogs and pet stores in your community, that bill is being heard on Monday. So I'll specifically flag that one, but um, definitely just check out the legislative summary for a, a, a overall recap of what's going on. Yeah, and take a look at that bill tracking list at the bottom. Cannot stress that enough because we just... You know, we, Jenna mentioned how many bills we are still uh, working on, how many did make it over that impact municipalities. So it's really important to look at that tracking list and let us know if there's something there that you're not hearing us talk about that you want to know more about, just reach out. Happy to happy to help with that. And then, as I mentioned, legislative dinner, um, we Mentioned last week, I think Matt mentioned that it was close to selling out and it has sold out. So we are at max capacity for the AIM Legislative Dinner on February 20th. So we do have a waiting list. If um, you do, though, want a seat to AIM Legislative Dinner, which I hire, highly encourage you to do, please get on the waiting list by calling 317-237-6200, extension 249. And that's it for this week's uh, legislative recap, aim Market Street to Main Street. Uh, let us know if you have questions and we will see you next week.